The really good way about thinking about this, because it can be very confusing when you're talking about unpaid present entitlements and financial accommodation and this and that. The best way I find to, to look at it is to examine the financial statements of the private company. Does that private company have any assets which are money that it's entitled to, owed, etc., from any other entity? And if those entities are not companies and they are related parties, then that's generally going to be a Division 7A issue. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 151 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Division 7A is complex and when you write to us, it is often about Division 7A. So in this episode, we will answer three of the questions you recently sent to us. The questions come from Ryan Bottenunen, Charissa Vesala and Dave Abbotsworth. So the first question is from Ryan, Ryan Bottenunen, and he writes as follows. A private company, ABC Propriety Limited, is a profitable trading entity. The shareholder of ABC Propriety Limited is ABC Trust, a discretionary trust with a corporate trustee. The director and shareholder of this corporate trustee is one and the same person. So let me stop here. Imagine a sheet of paper in front of you and you draw a large square right in the middle. That is ABC Propriety Limited. That is the company. Then you draw a large triangle above the square. That is ABC Trust, the shareholder of the company. And then you draw a tiny square above the triangle and a stick man on top of that. These are the corporate trustee and the director slash shareholder of the corporate trustee. But these two don't really worry us. The main thing is that you have the large square with the large triangle on top. The company and the trust. Then, back to Ryan, there's a bucket company, XYZ Propriety Limited, that is a corporate beneficiary of ABC Trust. And so now you take your piece of paper and you draw another square to the right. That is your bucket company. And then you put a stick man on top of that, which is the shareholder and director of this bucket company. According to Ryan in this example, or in this case, the shareholder and director is a different individual to the shareholder slash director of the corporate trustee. But it doesn't really matter whether it is one and the same person or two different ones, because if it is two different ones, then they are associates anyway. So you don't need to worry about it. But now, taking a step back and looking at the structure, I'm pretty sure it looks familiar to you because it is a very common structure. The structure of a trading company with a discretionary trust as shareholder and then a bucket company to the side to park profits. So now... ABC Propriety Limited declares but does not pay a franc dividend to its shareholder ABC Trust. And for the example, it doesn't matter either whether it's a franc dividend or not, but Ryan says that it is a franc dividend. So a franc dividend it is. So ABC Propriety Limited has a liability against the trust and the trust has a receivable. The cash stays in ABC Propriety Limited. And so for this transaction, as you can already see, we don't really have a Division 7A issue because the company receives financial accommodation in the form of a loan from the trust. As you know, Division 7A only comes in when the company gives financial accommodation. So at the moment, 
we are clear of Division 7A. ABC Trust now has income in the form of this dividend that ABC Propriety Limited declared. So now they need to do something with this income because if they don't, then the trustee gets assessed at top marginal rate and that is not <laughs> the intended outcome. So they need to distribute the frank dividends and they do distribute to the corporate beneficiary, XYZ Propriety Limited, the bucket company and the structure. And that's the whole reason why they got XYZ Propriety Limited. So they could park profits. So now the bucket company has an unpaid present entitlement, a UPU receivable against the trust. And the trust has a liability against the company. And so now you probably can already see where this is heading. It's heading straight into Division 7A territory. So now Ryan writes, the whole time there is no cash payment made, just a dividend declared from ABC Propriety Limited to ABC Trust and a distribution from ABC Trust to XYZ Propriety Limited. The extra cash is sitting back in the trading entity ABC Propriety Limited. Is this situation considered a Division 7A loan? And if so, why? This is the question I took to Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Sydney and asked him whether he could please help us. And he kindly said yes. So let's go straight into the talk with Andrew. I'm just finishing up walking him through the structure as I did with you. So now the company declares a frank dividend to the trust. The trust distributes the money to a bucket company, but the whole time the cash actually stays in the company. And then you just have loans going back. Is that a Division 7A problem? And you're nodding. Mm, yeah, well, I think it could be. This one all boils down to the documents and how things are prepared. So from XYZ Proprietary Limited perspective, it's presently entitled to money um, from from the ABC Trust. So ABC Proprietary Limited has uh, declared a dividend to the ABC Trust and then the ABC Trust say, says, I'm going to make XYZ Proprietary Limited presently entitled to that money. So from XYZ's perspective, if it hasn't received that money, it could potentially be financial accommodation and therefore a loan. I'd suggest that the way of Resolving this is to ensure that the documents reflect that money's actually been paid from ABC Proprietary Limited to ABC Trust to XYZ and then lent back. Now, that doesn't actually physically need to happen, but so long as the documents and journal entries reflect that what's happened is the money has gone through to XYZ Proprietary Limited, then XYZ Proprietary Limited has chosen to make a loan. So in other words... And then you have a loan from one company to another company and yep. that's never and a that's, Division 7A. Yeah, issue. so a company-to-company company loan is exempt from Division 7A. The key is to make sure that in the financial accounts there is no, there is nothing recorded that the ABC Trust needs to still pay money to XYZ Proprietary Limited. And, and on the flip side, in XYZ's accounts, there should be no asset or receivable that's, that's money that's going to be paid because what's happened is the money has been paid and then XYZ has chosen to lend it. So, so long as the accounts and journal entries and documents reflect that money has actually been paid and now it's being lent back, it is okay. But if it's not done properly, it can be an issue. That's a very good point. 
make it a loan between two companies and leave the trust completely out of it. The really good way about thinking about this, because it can be very confusing when you're talking about unpaid present entitlements and financial accommodation and this and that. The best way I find to, to look at it is to examine the financial statements of the private company. Does that private company have any assets which are money that it's entitled to, owed, etc., from any other entity? And if those entities are not companies and they are related parties, then that's generally going to be a Division 7A issue. Yeah, so that's the best way I think to, to assess it. Look at the company's financial accounts. If there's any if there's any loan receivables, whether they're unpaid present entitlements or conventional loans, if there's anything there, then those need to be examined. The second question is from Teresa Vasala. If you have a company and you have a trust, but the trust is an associate entity, but the company is actually not owned by the trust, the company is owned by an individual shareholder, but there is still an associate relationship mm. between the company and the trust. If the trust makes a loan to the company's priority limited, that's fine, isn't it? Yeah, if the trust makes a loan to a company, that, that's not a problem because the company is not providing financial accommodation. The company uh, is receiving. The company is, is 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 getting a benefit and it's, it's got a liability. So. So this way that, there's, that, no, there's no, no, no. issue. So now we look at the same setup but the other way around. So the company makes a loan to the trust but has a 109 agreement. Yep. So that potentially is a Division 7A issue, but because mm. we have an 09N agreement, it might not be. Yes. But now the idea is to make repayments in the form of dividends. But now the problem, of course, is that the shareholder is not the trust, so the dividends are actually paid to the shareholder. Yeah, so I, so when dividends are paid, they, they always need to be paid to the shareholders of that company. Um, it, it's just a matter of following the dollars. So well, the, the principle of following the money still applies. The, the company will need to declare a dividend and it needs to declare a dividend to its shareholder. I suspect what, what is needed from a 109N perspective is the trust needs to repay that loan. So, so what you would do is you would have a dividend to the shareholder, the yep. shareholder would make a loan to the, the trust yep. and then the trust would use that money to repay the loan. Correct. What is required where there's a Section 109N agreement in place, let's say there's an agreement between the company and the, and the trust, and the trust needs to make periodic payments of principal and interest on that loan. And if it's a seven-year loan, then it's over a seven-year period. So the private company can't declare a dividend to the trust because the trust is not a shareholder of the private company. The individual is a shareholder of the private company, so the private company would need to declare a dividend to its shareholder being the individual and then the individual would need to move that money to the trust. That could be by way of a loan from the individual to the trust and then the trust, once it's received that money, can then make the payment. So it's a bit of a flow of funds around but, yeah, the dividend would go to the shareholder directly in that example and the shareholder would pay tax on it. On the dividend. And with all of this, we don't really actually need to move the money as long as we yeah. move on paper. Yeah, so long as it's documented correctly and you get the transactions correct, then, and yeah, it's not so much about 
Yeah, the actual bank transfers. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So long as there's no mischief, uh, quote unquote mischief, and in this circumstance, what would happen is the dividend is actually paid to the shareholder. Because what remember what Division Seven A is actually looking at is is whether money that's only been taxed at corporate rates is being accessed outside of a company, either a trust or an individual. So the money's actually been taxed to the individual, then that should generally be okay. I've got to do the transactions correctly, of course, but yeah, that's the principle. So now we come to the third question. It came from Dave Abbotsworth and Dave writes, what happens if the trust made a loan to a shareholder way back before Division 7A and now the shareholder dies? So looking at Dave's question, the trust made a loan to a shareholder. So I assume that there's a distribution from the trust to the company and then the trust didn't pay this distribution, created a UPE and then loaned the money to the shareholder. So classic Division 7A territory if all of this had happened after 2009. But talking about dates... Let's reflect on two important dates for Division 7A. The first one is 1997. Division 7A came in 1997. And the second one is 2010, the year in which the ATO changed its position on UPEs through TR 2010-3. So it was 2010, but it applied from the 16th of December 2009. So these are the two important dates, 1997 and 2009. So I showed this question to Andrew and asked him for a rough outline of the issues involved. But I also asked Andrew whether he could please walk us back in time. So first assuming that the loan was made today, after 2009, so after the ATO changed its position on UPEs, then assuming that the loan was made between 1997 and 2009, so in this in-between time, so before the ATO changed its position but after Division 7A had already come in. And then in the third scenario, <laughs> the scenario that Dave actually mentions in his question, so in the third scenario that the loan was actually made before 1997, so before Division 7A even existed. So that is what Andrew will do for us, a short overview of the issues, and then he will walk us through these three scenarios. So where you've got these very old loans, you've got a few things to throw into the melting pot. Now, if a loan, even a pre-1997 loan, if it's forgiven, it is a deemed dividend. It's a Section 109F deemed dividend for giving a loan. With these very old loans, a really good question arises, have they already been forgiven? They've been on the books for a long time and um, each respective state of Australia has their own statute of limitations and they're all different which, which makes it fun but um, what they generally do is they limit the rights to recover a debt after generally six years. With these really old loans the question has been posed to the ATO quite a couple of times what happens if the statute of limitation period passes Now, the ATO's view, and I think this is going back to about the mid-2000s, but I think it's still their view, is that those loans would be, once the statute of limitation period lapses, it would actually be a deemed dividend at that point in time. Now, that could have been 10, 15 years ago. So even if there was a deemed dividend back in that time, the ATO would be out of time to 
amend returns to assess that dividend. So in other words, you could have a very old loan, it hasn't been called upon and the statute of limitation period has elapsed. That would lead to a deemed dividend, but that deemed dividend could have happened 10, 15 years ago and the commissioner would be out of time to actually include that in, in, uh, in a shareholder's return, absent fraud or evasion. That's where we are at the moment. The next thing to throw into the pot is that under the proposed changes to Division 7A, now they're just proposed at the moment, so there's a bit of a question mark on whether they're actually ever going to be implemented. It's proposed that under the new, under the changes to Division 7A, those pre-1997 loans will be brought into the Division 7A regime fully. And what that means is that they would need to be put on 10-year loan terms and repaid. If they've already been forgiven through this limitation of actions process, then those ones have already been forgiven and they wouldn't need to be put on Division 7A terms. So I haven't even got to what happens when someone dies yet. So that's the general position for pre-1997 loans. They really, each of them needs to be looked at. Some they, You could have a bit of, a, I guess, a windfall situation where they've already been forgiven. In some cases, the statute of limitation period won't have elapsed. You really need to look at each of them. When you've got the shareholder actually passing away, it, it's a bit unclear what actually happens in those circumstances. The best source of authority in this in this space comes from the ATO's private ruling register. It's been a bit a little while since I've looked at the register in respect of this issue, but there is a number of private rulings in the private ruling register which ask quite a similar question. Shareholders died, there was a loan. Is there a deemed dividend to the estate of the shareholder? Now what those rulings generally say is that that the estate of the shareholder is a different entity to the shareholder itself. And for those reasons, Division 7A won't operate to deem a dividend to the estate of the shareholder. There needs to be identicalness between the the shareholder and then when the Division 7A event arises. So if there's a loan to the shareholder, shareholder passes away and then the estate of the shareholder doesn't make repayments, what the ATO have ruled in a number of rulings is that that actually won't trigger Division 7A consequences. It's a really tricky area and if you've got a client in those circumstances, I definitely recommend that they get proper advice before writing off any any loans because in this space, when you're considering writing off loans, if you do get it wrong, then writing off the loan itself is going to trigger an unfranked dividend. So it's really important to get the proper advice before taking that action. Is it a Section 108 loan? It's it's not really a Section 108 loan. Section 108 was the section that deemed them to be dividends in certain circumstances, but it was very limited. I see. So you don't say Section 108 Yeah, it's like a pre-1997, like before Division 7A, Division 7A is 1997, so it's like pre-1997. You've got a scenario where a trust makes a company presently entitled, doesn't pay the money, and instead the trust lends it to an individual who's a shareholder of that company. And all this is happening after 2009. So 
For Division 7A, the unpaid present entitlement, or if it's arising after 16th December 2009, is treated as financial accommodation and therefore is a loan. What that means is that that's treated just like any other loan under Division 7A. That means that you either have to pay it or put a loan agreement in place and pay principal and interest and so on and so forth. Now, if the shareholder passes away, it comes into a very interesting space because it's less than exactly 100% crystal clear what happens in, in these scenarios. I haven't actually come across it in the, in the context of a UPE, but I have come across this in the context of, of loans from the, from the private company to its shareholder. It's unclear exactly what the treatment is. The best way of looking through this is through the ATO's private ruling register. And there's a number of private rulings where the ATO, similar questions are posed to the ATO, and they've said that because the shareholders passed away, it's not possible to deem a dividend to the estate of the shareholder. That's interesting. The mm. ATO says you can't actually have a deemed Division 7A loan to an estate. Yeah, 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 yeah. They say that you can't deem a dividend. Well, it's the older private rulings. I haven't checked it recently, but it, yeah, there is an issue there. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. In this circumstance, it's not a loan from the company to a shareholder. It's a loan from the company to the trust, which is, which is an associate of a shareholder. And the parties to that loan haven't changed. Even though the shareholder has passed away, the parties to the unpaid present entitlement slash loan actually haven't changed. So it's a really good question and I'm actually not sure what the answer would be because in the scenario where the loan is from the company to the shareholder itself, themselves, and, and the shareholder passes away, the ATO the, the have got a number of private rulings saying that you can't have a deemed dividend to the state of the individual. Here, the loan parties are actually haven't actually changed. So I'm not sure whether that result would follow. I think I'd have to conclude that it's definitely worth getting proper advice in, in, in those circumstances because it can be very messy. I mean, you're dealing with UPEs and you're dealing with deceased estates. It's these kind of ones are very good ones where it is unclear as well to actually approach the ATO and actually get a private ruling because that way you've got certainty on what the treatment would be. And you can get that certainty before taking action as well. So, you know, for instance, taking action like actually writing off the, the UPE. So, no, it's a really interesting one. And so now, before 2009, we actually don't have a Division 7A issue because before 2009, the ATO didn't pick this up. But if you write them off, I think it's still an issue, though. If it's pre-2009, that's a UPE. If you, yes. if you write it off, it's still, it's still yes, an issue. Yes, but, yeah. okay, so that just means the company must not write it off. Yeah, yeah. So if, if there was a UPE arising before 2009, so it's same scenario, but if the UPE was arising before 2009, then... But after 1997, it most likely I'd say that, that the, the treatment would be the same other than that the UPE under the current rules would be, would be quarantined as a pre-2009 UPE, so it could potentially sit there indefinitely. And now if you say it wasn't even a UPE but the whole setup happened before 1997, 
then it's all quarantined anyway as a pre-1997 loan. So Division 7 I came, it came in back in 1997. And before then, there were some measures that applied it to loans from companies to, to the shareholders in certain circumstances, but they weren't wide reaching. A lot of clients actually still have loans that were made before 1997. They're called pre-1997 loans. Now, they're not subject to Division 7A in the, in the way that a loan would be that's made after that date. There's no uh, requirement to, to repay them, to put in the Section 109N agreements. But if they're written off, it still does, still will trigger a debt forgiveness and it could be treated as a deemed dividend. In the circumstance of these pre-1997 loans, you've got to consider whether the loan actually still exists or not and the statute of limitations prevents a uh, party recovering a loan generally after a six-year period if it hasn't been acknowledged. So what the ATO said back in the about the mid-2000s is that where the statute of limitation has passed, so these debts are, debt's been on the books and no one's acknowledged it, it would actually trigger a deemed dividend under Division 7A at that time. Now, that time could have been, you know, we're talking about loans that are now almost 25 years old. This statute of limitations period could have elapsed a long time ago. And if that was the case, it would trigger a deemed dividend at that point in time. But because that point in time maybe. You know, 10 plus years ago, the commissioner may be actually out of time to to assess those dividends. So if that was the case, you could actually now just write those those loans off. I'll bookend all of this by saying that under the proposed changes to Division 7A, although they're in a consultation phase, it is proposed that pre-1997 loans would actually come within the normal scope of Division 7A and what that would require is for pre-1997 loans that still do exist, they would be required to be put on 10-year terms. So interest and principal payments being made just like any other loan. So interesting, interesting space. Welcome back. So if your business in a trading company needs the cash it generates, Having a trust with a bucket company in the setup might not always be the best structure because every time you distribute to the bucket company and don't pay, you have a Division 7A problem that you then need to fix with loan agreements and God knows what. In the next episode, episode 152, Andrew Henshaw will talk about the long-awaited Division 7A reform, which feels a bit like waiting for Godot. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.